0: KYA is sponsored by the seven torments of Amy and Craig. The worst thing that's ever happened to Craig is also the best, Amy. Craig and Amy should never have gotten together. Craig is a Dungeons and Dragons master with no life skills, and Amy is the beautiful, fiercely intelligent student body president of their high school. Yet somehow they did, until Amy dumped him. Then they got back together. Seven times. Seven breakups. Seven makeups seven of the highest lows and lowest highs. Told non-sequentially, acclaimed playwright Don Zolaitis' debut novel is a brilliantly funny, bittersweet tale of the utterly unique and utterly universal experience of first love. I can't wait to read this book. That sounds great. <laughs> on that note, let's let's launch the show. Yeah. Welcome to Hey YA. From great new books to favorite classic reads, from new stories to updates on the latest in on-screen adaptations... Hey YA is a bi-weekly podcast here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. Hey YA is a book podcasted... Oh, let me try that again. Hey YA is a book podcast hosted by me, Kelly Jensen, alongside Eric Smith. We're recording on Saturday, October 14th, 2018, and I think we both have a case of the Saturday mornings.
1: We do. We do. My <laughs> sweet, adorable little baby was up until probably 3, 4 a.m., and uh, oh. he's currently eating breakfast behind me, so... Uh, he will be the special guest today.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. You know what? Real life, right? Mm-hmm. Like we podcast from real life. It's true. So, uh, so uh, speaking of real life, I haven't read a whole lot because I've been traveling so much. And uh, so instead of like, oh, I've read you know twenty books to lead the podcast, I'm going to start by saying this. Uh, I saw the Hate You Give.
1: Oh, I'm so jealous. How dare oh, you! Oh my goodness. <laughs>
0: It's so good. Like everything that I expected out of it, uh, I got that and so much more. Um, Like Star is amazing. But the thing that really, really worked for me was how wonderful her family was throughout the entire film. Um, I kind of forgot about that. Like I read the book so long ago that I forgot a little bit about her family dynamics. And um, I just loved watching them have their ups and downs and then still see this incredible love and support they had for each other. And then also, this is my favorite thing of the whole movie. I'm going to say that about everything I say about the movie. Uh, <laughs> there are some, like, laugh-out-loud funny parts that never feel forced or out of place. Like, it's the right amount of levity to sort of drive home the power of the story's message without making it tragedy porn, which it could have too easily done um, on on the big screen. And uh, so it was super refreshing, too, to see a YA adaptation that's almost entirely populated with people of color, um, which is great. Like, I love that. Uh, but one thing that stood out to me that's super interesting, and I don't I don't have anything deep to say about it, except it was interesting, is that uh, the two recent YA adaptations that have had casts that were almost um, entirely people of color, the main female character has had a white male love interest. Um, so I'm thinking of The Hate You Give, as well as To All the Boys I Loved Before. Um, I'm sure it's a coincidence, just, like, timing the movies that are being recorded, but um, I've been chewing over that and thinking about what that says, if it says anything at all, or it's simply just, like, these two movies came out, you know, sort of back-to-back, and uh, these are just, like, the coincidences that happened.
1: Sorry, I am still here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What have you been reading?
1: Okay, so... Oh, so what I've been... Oh, man. So I started reading uh, The Quiet You Carry by Nikki Barthelmess, um, which, considering we did a whole segment on Indie YA Publishers last episode, it feels Ooh. feels good looping back around to it. Um, it's a book coming out with Flux early next year. Uh, Langston. Hey, buddy. Okay, Uh, so there's a book coming out with Flux early next year uh, about a teen in foster care who can't stop thinking about her uh, (laughs) stepsister that she left behind with her family uh, while trying to navigate a complicated new relationship with her foster family. And it's just this really gutting and lovely book. Um, The author is also a former foster teen, so it it comes from this real place um, which feels so really key in a story like this. Um, I got asked to blurb it, um, and I'm going to see if they could somehow translate my tears into print. For a blurb, I don't know if that's possible. Do we have the technology? But it's very real and gut wrenching, and I'm really liking it. Um, I also got a, a super early copy of Jeff Zentner's next book, uh, Rain and Delilah's uh, Midnight Matinee, and it's it's so funny reading this book because like I remember just being like so broken apart like reading The Serpent King and Goodbye Days, which are like these you know pretty painful books with like little moments of levity here and there like there are parts of Serpent King that are pretty funny um, and some of the <laughs> stuff that happens in goodbye days to the main character as he's navigating all these uh, this very complex situation he said you know there's some there's some humor there but like this book is is funny um, and like I don't know like if you read those other books you know he has the potential okay. to be funny um, but this is this one's funny it's about two teens uh, who host one of those public access TV shows Uh and they screen, like, campy, like, worse-than-be horror movies, like, creature feature movies. Um, and while this is happening, they're, like, wrestling with these, like, family issues, um, and, and things that are going on in their real life, uh, outside yeah. of the TV studio. Yeah. Um, and that's, like, where some of the, you know, more of the drama comes in, but it's just, it's just really, really fun, but still has, the, like, the heft that you expect from his other books, um... It's just this delightfully quirky setting that I've like never really seen before in a YA novel because who thinks about those uh, public access UHF kind of <laughs> TV stations, you know? Um, yeah, it's really fun. What about uh? Have, oh, oh, but you've been at, you've been in Movie Land.
0: I've been in Movie Land, yeah, but yeah. I did read. Um I finished Bonnie and Clyde mm. by Karen Blumenthal, which is a nonfiction title, uh, YA nonfiction title that came out in August, and it was really interesting. It took me a long time to get through, um, and long time is subjective, of course, but yeah. um, it's not a particularly long book, but it took me a while because the book is not sensationalized at all. It's sort of the opposite of what you think when you think Bonnie and Clyde and you know, uh, sort of the legacy there. And I think that that approach made me read it slower and think more about sort of the cultural messages that we give when we talk about this couple or uh, similar, you know, like criminals that are famous. Um, what, What I liked about the book the most, though, I think, is that she put in little blurbs about each of the people that were killed by Bonnie and Clyde which is something I don't think about you know I don't think about the victims at all it's like and and I think that that's a general statement saying that the victims aren't really thought about when you think about Bonnie and Clyde you're like oh you know they were this famous couple and, and and left this legacy um so it was nice to have that sort of like oh yeah this was not like a, a faceless series of crimes. Like these are real people who had lives and stories that are also worth considering in context of, of the, um, the, the duo there. So it was good. Um, lots of great pictures and ephemera included in there. And Blumenthal's written a number of YA nonfiction titles that are great. So she, she knows her audience and she respects her readership and, um, yeah, I, I recommend it, especially for anybody who is super into things like true crime. It really gives you sort of another perspective on criminals and what it means when we become so like fascinated by these people.
1: Yeah, now I'm like thinking about the Bonnie and Clyde movie. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: yeah, and she she, she talks Reagan. about that in there too. Uh, there's a whole section about pop culture in that movie and what that movie did for their legacy and um, how that also impacted the families of Bonnie and Clyde. So super interesting stuff like I just have never thought about before. Oh, man. Well, I'm going to pick that up. Uh, (laughs)
1: Okay. So our first sponsor is Lost Soul Be at Peace by Maggie Thrash. Uh, A year and a half after the summer that changed her life, Maggie Thrash wishes she could change it all back. She's trapped in a dark depression in flunking 11th grade, befuddling her patrician mother while going unnoticed by her father, a workaholic federal judge. The only thing Maggie cares about is her cat, Tommy, who then disappears somewhere in the walls of her cavernous house. So her search begins, but Maggie's not even really sure what she's lost, and she has no idea what she'll find. Lost Soul, Be at Peace is a continuation of Maggie's story from her critically acclaimed memoir, Honor Girl, one that brings her devastating honesty and humor uh, to the before and after of depression. Oh my goodness, I actually met Maggie at the YA Chattanooga Festival uh, last month, and uh, I feel very silly not realizing that this was a memoir while I was reading this at. Yeah. Yeah, so shall we start digging into all this fun stuff? All right, so um one thing we were talking about uh, sort of off of the podcast lately, uh, our dear listeners, is that some of you might have noticed last month that we had, like, the perfect storm of young adult books hitting all in the same week, um, and it was also Kelly's birthday. Um <laughs> and this is still sort of ongoing to the fall, but, like, on September 25th, I think publishing had something like 20 major titles all drop on the same day. Um, isn't there some kind of, like, underground publishing meetup where, like, publicists and sales folk can meet up to discuss these things? Like, look, we can't do this to the people. We need to divide up these release days. At least that's, like, how it goes in the fantasy novel adaptation of the publishing industry in my head. You know, it's, like, Younger, but with Dragons. Um... So like, but yeah, like on the, on that day we had like Four Muse of Fire, Black Winning's Beating, A Blade So Black, Sisters of the Winter Wood, The Dark Descent of Elizabeth Frankenstein, Give the Dark My Love, that book John Green's brother wrote. Like there were so many, so many on one day. Um, so I thought in the spirit of that, um, and this is probably going to happen uh, again uh, at some point this month, uh, we might talk about the fall books that you've uh, been missing because there have been so much out there.
0: Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um- and if you want, I, I will start. Uh, we each have three, so um, we had to like narrow down how many we wanted to talk about because there were so many that we could we could hit on. Um, and so my first one is Nightingale by Amy Lukovics, and I know I've talked about this one, but guess what? If Eric gets to talk about books he loves frequently, I do too. <laughs> It's true. And uh, because Amy Lukovics is such an underrated gem, writing some of the best horror in YA, I decided to bring it up. Uh, The book is set in the 50s during a time when locking away, quote, crazy woman was a means of suppressing their desires to be independent, fierce, and follow their own dreams. Um, This is what happens to June in the story. But uh, as the story progresses, we discover that there might indeed be something off about her. And uh, even when we sort of understand that the reason for her be- being put away was because of her family and not because of her, um,
1: you
0: know, something is off with them and not with her. But as as we get further and further in the story, we start questioning this. Like, hmm, maybe there is something just slightly off about her, um, and we discover what it is. I'm not going to say it because it's totally. Spoiler, but uh, this is science fiction horror and full of the kinds of things in horror that you don't always expect, but uh, that's what makes it so great. It's really creepy and takes a genre, or I should, shouldn't say genre, um, horror is a, a, a mood, not a genre, um, but it adds that genre of science fiction uh, in, in a way that we don't see very often. And we especially don't see very often in YA, and that is Nightingale by Amy Lukovics.
1: It's so funny when you're talking about it, like, I was like, oh, yeah, I know. sounds like, you know, like, A Madness So Discreet by, like, Mindy McGinnis, and I'm, like, listening, listening, and then you're like, and it's sci-fi. I'm like, wait, what? what? Uh-huh. What are you talking about? Okay. That sounds okay. Ugh, I'm going to have to pick it up. Um, okay, uh, so my first one is um, American Road Trip by Patrick Flores, Scott. Um, and yeah, I know, we had him on the show, and he's my neighbor, okay. but uh, <laughs> And this book might have gotten some great starred reviews, but I haven't seen people screaming it about it in the way uh, I kind of want them to. Um, it's a road trip novel about a teen hitting the road with his uh, PTSD-struck war-torn brother uh, and the sister who thinks uh, the trip will, quote-unquote, fix him. Uh, it's this moving, funny, just packed with heart book. Um, and just from describing it that way, you know things aren't going to go the way the sister plans. Because anytime someone describes a story where somebody wants to, quote unquote, fix somebody, uh, it's like every terrible relationship you've ever had where you <laughs> thought you could fix someone. Like, it doesn't work out, things are going to be bad. Uh, and it makes just for this really great. Uh, diverse road trip read that we don't really see all that often. Um, And more people should be checking this one out. And that is uh, American Road Trip by Patrick Flores-Scott.
0: Did you see it got reviewed in the New York Times this week?
1: No way. Really? I missed that. it
0: did. Uh, So I hope that that gets it on more reader radars because it's so good. And uh, that kind of exposure is awesome.
1: Yeah. Oh, goodness. That's fantastic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. my next one is a YA nonfiction book called Someone Like Me, How an Undocumented Girl Fought for Her American Dream by Julissa Arce. Um, to be fair, I haven't gotten the chance to read this one yet, but I did, I paged through it uh, at the bookstore the other day to sort of get an idea of what it looked like. Because um, you could read a description of a book, especially a nonfiction book, but until you see what it looks like, you can't always know, like, what you might take from it. Um mm-hmm. But this one looks great. Uh, it came out recently, obviously, which is why I was looking at in the bookstore, uh, and it's at the top of my TBR for when I unblock my library card. Um, <laughs> this <laughs> this YA memoir. Uh, it's from a woman who grew up undocumented in America. Uh, earlier this year, I read a similar book by Sarah Sadie called Americanized, which. Um, talked about being an immigrant but not being documented and and what that was like growing up in um, California. And so this is similar to that um, and something that we're seeing more and more of in our nonfiction. And so I love that these books are hitting... Uh, YA, because I think that this is the audience that will really, really be moved by them and relate to them in powerful ways. So um, I know I didn't say a whole lot about the book itself, but the title pretty much says everything, right? Um, Yeah. and, And I like reading these memoirs for teens because I think there's something really powerful about knowing what they're about and being able to connect them to readers who are looking for books that they can relate to or books that uh, feature people who are real people that look like them. Um, And so that is Someone Like Me, How an Undocumented Girl Fought for Her American Dream by Julissa Arce.
1: So, my next one um, is a book that I feel like is going to get a wild amount of attention soon, and that is uh, 500 Words or Less Mm -hmm. by Julia Del Rosario. Um, So, this is another book that hit kind of quietly and I think is going to gain a lot of steam. Um, There was a Deadline article, uh, goodness, just maybe a week ago, uh, that Gabrielle Union optioned the rights to the novel. Um, There's this awesome quote in there from Union herself having read the book which is amazing because um, usually when these movies and one uh, of these books get optioned it's you know the the stars production team uh, picking up the rights and not the actual star and when I got to read that she read it I was like <laughs> oh my goodness that is amazing Um so, so the book is about a uh, teen girl who starts to write college admissions essays for her peers in uh, hopes it will help her reputation with everyone at the school uh, and what she learns in the process. Um, it's a really sweet book, and I cannot wait to see what happens with the movie adaptation. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I love it when an actual star is attached to something, because that's usually a good sign it's actually going to happen. So uh, I've got my fingers crossed for this one.
0: It sounds great, and it sounds like the kind of book that would translate really well into a movie as well. My next one, and I guess my last one, is um, another one I haven't read because uh, that's the story of, of the show. It's the story of like every show, but uh, this one will make sense why I haven't read it yet and why I'm recommending it. Um, it's Annalie in Real Life by Janelle Milanes. Uh, so I read Milanes' debut last year called The Victoria in My Head, uh, which it seems like not a lot of other people have read. And uh, it's a fabulous book about a Latina girl who has this vision of being a rock star in her head even though it doesn't align with who she is in real life. Mm-hmm. She has a lot of like pressures to be a good girl. And and yet she wants to have this like bigger experience. So she pursues it secretly and chaos ensues, right? As you would expect. <laughs> anyway, I, I really enjoyed that book. And so um, I'm recommending Annalie in real life because it's her uh, Melanis' sophomore effort. And it follows a girl named Annalie who escapes the kind of um, – crappy and frustrating reality she lives in uh with a family that's complex among other things by playing online video games and uh it gives her a lot of power that she doesn't feel like she has in real life but um maybe she does have that power uh it's a book that i think will resonate with teens especially who um believe they are a different person online than they are offline and uh how they sort of align those two two parts of who they are um and yeah, I think it I think it'll resonate with I shouldn't just say teens, I think with any reader who sort of finds online to be their escape from reality even though it too is reality. I
1: mean, I think this is a book written, like, for me. Yeah. Uh, I am excited about this. I Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm going to have to order that this right is, away. This is
0: very much an Eric book. Um, yeah. And, and that is Annalie in Real Life by Janelle Milanes. And I remember I told you to read The Victoria in my head. I don't know if you did yet. Because um, when I read that one, I was like, oh, this is an Eric book. You would really enjoy it.
1: So, yeah, well, this is – as soon as we get off the podcast, <laughs> I'm going to pick these up. Um, yeah, because anything that gives me – um oh goodness uh, Guy in Real Life vibes by mm-hmm. Steve Bresnoff yeah. are the kind like that's that is like the definitive uh, me YA novel <laughs> so that that's excellent um, so my next one is uh, An Assassin's Guide to Love and Treason by Virginia Boecker um, it's so funny because like when I, when I got that book in I was like oh is this the new Mackenzie Lee book and then it's not it just has that similar sort of <laughs> this then this then this sort of title um, which I don't know Kelly if you've seen that meme floating around I that's totally like,
0: have yeah Yes.
1: <laughs> we, should, we should link to that later. That was great. Um, so Virginia's duology, uh, The Witch Hunter, was just so much fun, and I was really eager to see something new from her, because um, she's just really great at like flipping around fantasy tropes in, uh, in her writing, uh, and this one does not disappoint at all. Um, so it's about a teen who disguises herself as a boy to get revenge for her father's death, one that was ordered by the queen, uh, with plans to kill the queen. So it's not... You know, a, a small uh, stake book at all. She's going after the queen. Um, so, on top of all that excitement, it's peppered with this uh, Shakespearean performance in the middle of the book. Um, so, it, it kind of gave me like mousetrap vibes <laughs> um, and a romance that's uh, tucked away in there as well. It's just, it's so much fun, uh, really funny and really exciting. Um, and comes out later this month. So, get behind this one because it's, uh, it is a delight and. I don't know. That the cover of it is just extraordinary.
0: <laughs> I love how this segment was, you know, books you missed and you're like, oh, this one's not out yet. Uh
1: <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: Well. <laughs> it's I haven't good. seen a
1: ton. Of, I haven't seen a ton of press for it. No, so I like uh, I haven't either. So, yeah.
0: It works. It fits, right? <laughs> and who cares? We're talking about books we want people to read. So, Yes. Uh let's let's hit our second sponsor before we dig into uh, the topic I'm really excited to talk about because we Sort of have talked around it a lot, but haven't really dug in. Um, Anyway, so the sponsor is Flatiron Books and Legendary by Stephanie Garber. After being swept away in the magical world of Carvel, Donatella Dragna has finally escaped her father and saved her sister Scarlett from a disastrous arranged marriage. The girls should be celebrating, but Tella isn't yet free. She made a desperate bargain with a mysterious criminal, and the time to repay the debt has come. Dun, dun, dun. I added that. Hmm. That's not actually in the read.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm excited about that. And I think the final book and it comes out, what, it's like next year, right? It's the last book. It's like finale. Oh, man. Those books are gorgeous.
0: Uh, So our topic... Uh, is YA friendship books, which we talked a little bit about last episode, and uh, we want to really go into it this time. And part of what I think about when I think about YA friendship books is hearing and seeing so many people talk about the lack of friendship books in YA, and I start to wonder if they're reading the same YA I am, because I think it's throughout YA, it's everywhere, and it does a great job of showing the wide range of ways friendships are good and they're toxic. So like when I think of toxic friendships, I think of books like wildlife by Fiona wood or over you by Amy Reed, which, um, showcase like great examples of toxic friendships. And I don't know why I like them so much, but, um, I think that that's sort of a topic that readers deal with, but don't necessarily know how to like unpack in their own lives. Uh Um, so, so that's part one of my fascination. And part two of my fascination, um, I'm going to talk about Brandy Colbert a little bit, um, who, you know, we're big, big fans here at Hey YA. And a few years back, she wrote a piece for my blog about intersectional friendship and how she doesn't see it a whole lot in YA and what she would like to see in it. And I'll, I'll link to the piece in the show notes so you can read it. But that really shifted how I looked at YA friendship books, and and paid particular attention to how well intersectional friendship is done in YA. And uh, she herself is really great at it. Um, I thought this was especially true in Finding Yvonne, which came out earlier this year, earlier this year being August. Um, And then also, I think Maureen Gu is another one who um, she cited in Brandy's piece Talking about intersectional friendships, and especially in her first book, uh, Since You Asked, and I couldn't agree more um, that those are some great books to look at for friendship from an intersectional point of view.
1: Yeah, and I really want to dive into this a little bit more, too. Um, you know, uh, mo- mostly because I've been reading uh, Ashley Woodfork's new book that comes out next year, which is a, a friendship breakup book. Um, Called "When You Were Everything," um, and when I was at that Chattanooga YA fest just a few weeks back, um, Tiffany Jackson was talking about friendship in YA. So it's been on my mind uh, quite quite a bit lately. Um, she had said something really great about how one of the greatest loves of your life when you're a kid um, and like the first great love of your life can actually be mm-hmm. your best friend, um, and not in like the romantic sense, um, just because they they tend to know you better than anyone. Else ever will Like you open up to them uh, In a way that you You know Don't really open up To anyone else It's like that new Sort of experience uh, You know In those developing relationships um, Yeah And it got me thinking A lot about uh, How friendship is approached In in YA um, And it's so funny Because you brought up The fact that um, You know People ask about this All the time And you're like Oh there, there's a lot of these Sort of books out there um, And that happened with this Because I was excited And talking about Tiffany and what she was saying at the conference, and someone like asked me on Twitter, "Is like, well, are there any YA friendship books out there?" I don't think there are. And then I like sent that poor person a link to like a hundred YA <laughs> list that you had written. Um, <laughs> so yeah, they exist. Yeah. And so let's uh, 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 let's awesome. highlight
0: some of our favorites or ones that we think do really interesting things with the theme of friendship. And my first one is another YA favorite. Mm -hmm. Uh, This episode could be titled Kelly does the thing Eric does in every episode. (laughs) Uh, So my first pick is Brian Bliss's will fly away, which has this awesome dude friendship. Um, I love this book and I know Eric does too. And while it takes on some big, heavy issues um, in particular, it takes on this idea of teens on death row. Uh, What stood out to me as a reader was how complex and fully developed and heartening it was to see two boys who are from very different and very difficult backgrounds be so deeply in friend love with one another. Um, It it stood out to me because I don't see that a whole lot. Um, I certainly see male friendships in YA, but I have not recently seen something done quite like this and it was really nice to see and really added some depth to the bigger picture issues that are that are addressed in the book and that is uh, Will Fly Away by Brian Bliss.
1: Yeah, it is a great dude friendship book um, and you know like I don't know if you know the marketing team had thought about it but maybe they should have comped it to like something like Magic Mike <laughs> XXL you know the, the dude close bro road trip book, you know? I feel like that is a great example of, uh, you know, good guy friends dealing with heavy issues. I don't know. I don't know, publicists that are listening. Brian Bliss, perfect for fans of Magic Mike. <laughs> oh, I'm very tired this morning. Uh, so let me see. Next up for me, um, is, uh, Since You've Been Gone by Morgan Matson. um... I love Morgan Matson's books, they're like a warm hug, um, and this one, uh, it's about a girl whose best friend disappears, uh, leaving behind a series of notes and to-dos for her best friend. Um, it's, like, important to note that, like, our main character in this book is sort of like this, like, social outcast and very quiet sort of person, and when her best friend swoops into her life, uh, just drastically changes, uh, everything about her and opens her up in a big way, and when that person disappears, uh, it's pretty devastating. Um, so her friend and uh, leaves these notes that challenge her and push her out of her comfort zone, uh, and hopefully maybe will lead her to her friend again. We're not quite sure what's going on. Um, it's a very sweet friendship book. Um, it's a very big book too, uh, which I like. Morgan mm-hmm. Matson writes these like epic uh, YA contemporary novels, uh, and it's just a lot of fun. And it's um, "Since You've Been Gone" by Morgan Matson.
0: My next one is a book that comes out a little bit later this month, and it's called Jack of Hearts and Other Parts by Elsie Rosen. Um, It's a spectacularly sex-positive book about a gay boy who writes a sex column. And uh, it is as fabulous and out there as Jack himself is. Jack is the main character. Uh, But at the heart of the book is this intersectional friendship among Jack, his friend Jenna, who is Latina, and then Ben, who is big, fat, Black and gay. And that's he, he calls himself those things. Um, they support and love each other. And then when things turn really, really rough for Jack and his column, you see that support system among the three of them. Um, it's a book that is about sex as much as it is about the fetishization of gay men, especially by white women. And this friendship is sort of the, the much needed series of reliefs throughout some of the tougher moments and that really drive home those bigger, bigger topic issues. Um, I like to call it necessary levity um, mm-hmm. in something that is, you know, yes, it's fun and it's at times funny and it's outlandish, but also like it takes on some big, heavy stuff. And it's it's through this friendship that we get that sort of relief that allows those big picture issues to, to really sink in. And that is Jack of Heart and Other Parts by Elsie Rosen.
1: I feel like we do, like, a whole episode on, like, necessary yes. levity in YA books. Because, you know, we were talking about Sarah Farazin's last book and how it tackles all these issues of dysphobia uh, and racism. Um, yes. But then it's still very funny. Um, there's something there. We will, we will circle back to that. Um, let's see. My next one. Uh, can I bring up a graphic novel? So I'm going to talk about Lumberjanes. Um, because, seriously, Lumberjanes is, like, the perfect example of a friendship book. Because that is... That is what it's about. Um, It's about these girls who are there for each other, um, and you can just feel how much they care for one another radiating off the page uh, with all the humor and heart that's packed into the stories. Um, If you're unfamiliar, Lumberjanes is a uh, graphic novel slash now middle grade slash (laughs) probably going to be a movie soon series um, set at a summer camp and follows a pack of girls on their misadventures <laughs> and holy cats uh, is it very, and isn't, very isn't the
0: theme friendship to the max or like when it, yeah yeah
1: friendship to the max yep
0: perfect <laughs> choice for this topic <laughs> my next one is Chasing Shadows by Swathi Avasti and uh, it's one of my favorite underrated books it's it's one that's uh a graphic novel-novel hybrid, uh, which is a format I love. And it follows three best friends in Chicago, uh, and there's a shooting, and they're involved in this um, as the victims. One of the friends is killed, and the other is severely injured, both physically and mentally. And we see that play out in the graphic, um, graphic novel portion of the story. Uh, the third friend in the in the book is the one that really captured to me sort of why this book is such a, a powerful addition to the uh, books about friendships category. she uh, she has to make a decision about her friendship and she has to make these decisions that aren't always the popular ones that were fed in the media or the ones that are easy to make and digest. Um, it's about ending a demanding friendship and doing so in a way that, is respectful to both the friend who is the dumper as well as the dumpy. Um, And just, it's it's tough to read, but so thoughtful and so powerful. um, Because it's something, that is something I think we don't see a whole lot of. Um, We see toxic relationships a little bit more, but this is less about toxic um, than it is about, the complicated reasons why we might need to step away from a friendship, um, and that is "Chasing Shadows" by Swathi Avasti.
1: Sounds great. Speaking of toxic friendships, so I haven't read the "Burn for Burn" books. Um, would you consider those why friendship books? Like, I feel like there's, you know, reading about them. There's like some. There apparently lots of backstabbing and <laughs> toxic friendships. Um, are they friendship books? I don't know.
0: I I've only read the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, series thing, um, which like not an excuse cuz all the books are out now, but uh I remember there being something about friendship in there and and I think it comes becomes more apparent the further in the series you get. Okay.
1: All right, so maybe you want to put on the radar. Um, let's see. And for me, let me see what else I want to talk about. Uh, oh, The Rest of Us Just Live Here by Patrick Ness. Um, d- I've definitely talked about this book in a past episode, um, and I definitely argue this is a YA friendship book um, in his best book. I'm sorry, Knife of Letting Go fans, um, but I think this is his best book. Um, so it's set in a world where superheroes are real, but focuses on characters who... Uh, well, they just live here, you know? And what is it like to be the regular kid at a school with a Buffy the Vampire Slayer type and your school keeps getting blown up by demons um, (laughs) and you just want to, you know, go get chicken nuggets at lunch? You don't want to deal with all this nonsense. Um, So it follows this pack of teens um, as they navigate the complexities of of this world that they live in, um, as well as their friendships, breakups, um, talks about mental health, and and a lot more. Um, You know, one of the teenagers... uh, does have kind of superpowers, but they're pretty weak. (laughs) Uh, So it's just most, for the most part, very regular kids dealing with very real issues. um, As this sort of hinted at superhero story is going on in the background. Um, That's a lot of fun and really, really different um, and very, very, very (laughs) very (laughs) friendshipy.
0: My, uh, my last one is one that I'm really surprised we haven't talked about on the show yet. And that is exit pursued by a bear by EK Johnston. Um, have you read this one?
1: No, I haven't. i okay. like, I have it sitting on my bookshelf.
0: All right. Well, here, this might sell you on it. Um, it's a friendship book. Um, many readers know it as a book that explores rape culture, and it certainly does that. But one of the reasons that this book sort of stands out in that category of books is that the main character, Hermione, has this unbelievable support in her life through her post-rape experience. So um, it offers... Yet another experience of being a victim. Um, and one of her biggest cheerleaders in the story, and like I'm laughing at myself because uh, cheerleader is what she is. So, you know, mm-hmm. ha ha ha. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one of her biggest cheerleaders in her life is her best friend, Polly. Um, and if I remember correctly, I might not be remembering this, it might just. Uh, you know if it's not true, ignore it. But if it's true, like this is really cool. Um, the naked hardcover of the book, so when you take the dust jacket off the hardcover, um, it has that famous Star Wars line on it that says, I love you, I know, uh, which is the sort of representation of Hermione and Polly's friendship throughout. Oh. And that is uh, Exit Pursued by a Bear by E.K. Johnston.
1: Oh, I do really need to. <laughs>
0: Did you have? Did you have another one?
1: No, I think that's it for me.
0: All right. Well, we can uh, we can leave it that. I think we gave a nice like range of, of friendship books, you know, and and I think sort of hinting at what we what started wanting to talk about this is is exactly that. They don't necessarily build themselves as friendship books, but friendship could be at the heart of so many books, especially about you know big meaty topics and. Both of us, like, we didn't really dig too much into genre fiction here. And I know that that friendship in genre fiction is very present, too.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like like Susan Dennard's Truthwitch book, you know? like that's, oh, yeah. That's, like, the perfect example of, like, fantasy YA. That's mostly about friendship. Exactly. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, boy. I Next guess episode. <laughs> I was going to say,
0: I guess we can revisit that, you know, in the future. Because there is yeah. so much more we can talk about. Uh, But let's let's wrap up the show by doing that thing that like we don't want to do, but we should do, uh, which is like books we're looking forward to in 2019, even though it's only October in 2018.
1: Um. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. And I feel like we're going to dig into this. In a bigger way at the end of the year with the, like, inevitable, most anticipated 2019 list that will be uh, hitting absolutely everywhere. And we'll have all the same books on them. Um, <laughs> and it's also weird because some of these I don't know a thing about, save for what Goodreads says. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to end up reading some descriptions. Yeah, same. <laughs> the same.
0: Um, I got a big box of 2019 advanced reader copies this week. And Ooh. I was like, oh, I didn't know this person had a book coming out. Oh, I didn't know this person had a book coming out. <laughs> (laughs) oh, I never heard anything about this book, you know, and it's one of those things that's, like, as I'm getting them, I'm like, I kind of want to talk about it even though I haven't read it um, because it caught my eye for some reason. Um, Yeah. And so the first one that did that – is called Teeth in the Mist by Don Kurtagish? Kurtagish. Um, It's horror fantasy. This one uh, was in the box that showed up at my house, and I don't know a thing about it, except when I looked at it, I was like, oh, yeah, this is, like, totally my book. Um, and I'm just going to read the description. Um, Before the birth of time, a monk uncovers the devil's tongue and dares to speak it. The repercussions will be felt for generations. Mm. Sixteen-year-old photography enthusiast Zoe has been fascinated by the haunted, burned-out remains of Meadow and Millhouse for as long as she can remember. So she and her best friend Poulton run away from home to explore them. But are they really alone in the house? And who will know if something goes wrong? In 1851, 17-year-old Rowan arrives at Mill House's ward. One of three, all with something to hide from their new guardian. When Rowan learns that she is connected to an ancient secret, she must escape the house before she is trapped forever. 1583, Hermione, a new young bride, accompanies her husband to the wilds of North Wales, where he plans to build the largest watermill and mansion in the area. But rumors of unholy rituals lead to a tragic occurrence, and she will need all this, all her strength to defeat it. Three women, centuries apart, Drawn together by one unholy pact. A pact made by a man who more than a thousand years later may still be watching. What Yeah, it sounds awesome. And that is uh, Teeth in the Mist by Dawn Kurt Kurtikic. Kurtakic. Kurtakic? Yeah, that
1: sounds awesome.
0: I wish yeah, I I really like
1: and I really like her books, you know, like yeah. I really liked um Oh dear. The, the something house. Where are you? It's over there. The dead house. The dead house, <laughs> yeah.
0: And that one, if I remember, had, like, found photography and stuff in it, too. That one had, like, yeah, ephemera it like, throughout.
1: it was very, like, Illuminae-esque. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yes, so awesome. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I feel like a lot of people are expecting me to freak out about the same things, <laughs> like... The Sequel to a Conspiracy of Stars by Olivier Cole, The Third Timekeeper Book by Tara Sim. But I'm not going to give you the satisfaction, okay? <laughs> um, but hi, someone send me those ARCs because I need them right now. Um, so, so my first one uh, is The Opposite of Always by Justin A. Reynolds. Um, I've seen a lot of people talk about this one uh, on the old Twitter, um, and it's a... It's it's a I think it's kind of a time travel book. So it's a YA novel with a splash of time travel involving a black teenager who uh, seems to meet the one, um, but the one dies, and Ooh. he keeps going back in time again and again. Uh, with maybe a chance to save her or relive the relationship. Um, who knows? I'm not really sure. All I know is it looks devastating. The cover has the the two couples, uh, like, separate on the bottom and clearly upset with one another. And then as it goes up towards the top in, like, this triangle shape of the stairs at the top, you see they're clearly kissing and holding hands. Um... And I just, I look at it, and it looks like it's just going to break my heart, <laughs> and I'm very excited about it. Um, it's a debut novel, and it just looks outstanding, um, and I need it right now. And that is uh, Opposite of Always by Justin A. Reynolds.
0: My next one is called Transmission, My Quest to a Beard by Alex Birdie. It's a YA nonfiction memoir, because I'm going to talk about YA nonfiction in this episode over and over again. Um It's a story of Alex talking about growing up trans and in addition to sharing his own story, it uh, offers advice and insight to other teens who identify or think they may identify as trans. Uh, It's not the first YA memoir about a trans teen, but it's been a few years since we've had one and I suspect that this book is going to mean a lot of things to a lot of readers and that is Transmission, My Quest to a Beard by Alex Birdie.
1: That sounds great. Um... My next one is uh, Ruse by Cindy Pon. Um, so th- this might be my most anticipated book of 2019, like, period. Um, and I have a story coming out in a book in 2019, and this is still my most anticipated book. So apologies to my publisher and publicist, who are probably listening to this. Um, so WANT by Cindy Pon was amazing. Um, takes place in a world where uh, people are wearing these, like, oh, I don't want to say exosquad-esque Uh, Outfits because those are very big, but they're wearing these like almost like spacesuit outfits that protect them from the weather outside and let them breathe, and the rich are sort of benefiting from pollution as it's killing off people, Um, and it's about a ragtag group of teens who want to take down this system and maybe the people who are responsible. Um, So the sequel comes out in 2019. I don't know much about it, but the first book was awesome, so yes, give me this book right now. (laughs)
0: My next one is The Gilded Wolves by Roshni Choksky. I'm not a huge fantasy reader, but this is historical fantasy set in Paris, and everything about this book screams luscious and delightful, and I need to read it. Uh, It's a mystery adventure about glamour and wealth and inheritance, and Eric, I might break my don't-read-books-in-a-series with without all of them handy rule for this one um, it just sounds so different and the reviews have been so great um, and that is Gilded Wolves by Roshni Chokshi, Chokshi.
1: that sounds yeah that book sounds fantastic um, so my next one is one that's not making a lot of noise yet but I laugh every time <laughs> I see the title or hear about the premise um, and the book is called Hot Dog Girl by <laughs> Jennifer Dugan uh every time every time I see the title um, so uh, I'm gonna read the the blip from the the sale of the book because it's there's not even really a Goodreads up yet. Um, it says pitched as Adventureland crossed with a gender muddled clueless. Uh, it's the story of a lusty team and her schemes to win the heart of her crush at an amusement park summer job, all while dressed as a hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> and like I'm just I'm obsessed with the premise of this book. Like I need <laughs> it right now. Um, it sounds so funny and like Adventureland is just. A beautiful movie. Um, yeah, I can't wait to read this one. <laughs>
0: <I'm> <laughs> it <dog> sounds <laughs> so fun. It sounds so fun. My, uh, my next one is Symptoms of a Heartbreak by Sona Charapotra. Uh, it's Sona's first solo book. She know um, You might know that she and Danielle Clayton wrote the Tiny Pretty Things series together. And Danielle mm-hmm. had her first solo book earlier this year but this is sona's first solo book and uh, it sounds amazing it's about a 16 year old prodigy who finishes med school uh yes she's 16 and done with med school so um she's got her first job and aside from needing to prove herself to the adults working around her that indeed she is smart and knows what she's doing and graduated from med school um there's something more it seems she's fallen in love with a boy who is a patient at the hospital.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: Dun, dun, dun. And that is symptoms of a heartbreak.
1: That sounds great. I didn't know that's what this was about. I Oh, wow. Okay. Um, let's see. My next one is uh, The Revolution of Bertie Randolph by Randy Colbert. Um, have you seen this cover? Yes, I want to print it's so good. It. Uh, I want it like framed in my apartment. Um, so Dove Bertie Randolph works hard to be the perfect daughter and follow her path Uh, The path her parents have laid out for her. She quit playing her beloved soccer, she keeps her nose buried in textbooks, and she's on track to finish high school at the top of her class. But then she falls hard for Booker, a sweet boy with a troubled past whom she knows her parents will never approve of. Uh, When her estranged aunt returns from Chicago and moves into her family's apartment, uh, above the Nair salon, Bertie notices the tension building at home. Uh, Carlene is sweet, friendly, and open-minded. She's also spent decades in and out of treatment facilities for addiction. Uh, as Bertie comes closer to both Booker and Carlene, she yearns to spread her wings. But when long-buried secrets rise to the surface, everything she's known to be true is turned upside down. Ah! I cannot wait.
0: <laughs> I got a copy of this one, and I'm like, I'm so excited. Um, Yay! I just I wrote a note this morning to myself that we should talk about like reading rituals and habits that we have. Um, because my recent reading like habit has been starting my new year with a Brandy Colbert book. Um, I've Ooh. done it for like the last two years, and uh, when I got this one, it's like I—it's everything to not stop and read it right now. But I know if I hold off until January first, I'll be much happier uh, to start my reading year with with her. Um, That's awesome. But yeah, so I'm I'm really excited about that one, and uh, my final title is Watch Us Rise by Renee Watson and Ellen Hagan. There's a new Renee Watson book coming, and it sounds Yay. like every single thing I need and want in a book, and um, it sounds like the perfect title for the ever-expanding canon of what we could call YA feminist lit. Um, I'm going to read the description because it's good enough to stand on its own, like without my just saying over and over again, new Renee Watson, new Renee Watson. Um, Jasmine and Chelsea are sick of the way women are treated, even at their progressive New York City High School, so they decide to start a women's rights club. They post everything online, poems, essays, videos of Chelsea performing her poetry, and Jasmine's response to the racial macroaggression she experiences. And soon, they go viral. But with such positive support, the club is also targeted by online trolls. When things escalate, the principal shuts the club down. Jasmine and Chelsea will risk everything for their voices and those of other young women to be heard. And that is Watch Us Rise by Renee Watson and Ellen Hagan.
1: Awesome. And my last one is uh, Better Than the Best Plan by Lauren Morrill. Uh, it's the last day of junior year, and 17-year-old Ritzy, short for Maritza, is pretty sure she has a great plan. Summer job? Check. Hang out with the friends at the beach? Check. Keep looking after herself as she's been doing since her mom bailed to follow her bliss? Check. Or no check? Uh, After someone reports that Ritzy is living alone, a social worker shows up uh, and puts her into foster care. Uh, That's a surprise enough. Even more surprising, Ritzy has been in foster care before, as an infant, and the woman who cared for her uh, takes her in again. Uh, But maybe the greatest surprise of all for Ritzy is that living with her foster mother, Kristen, in Kristen's gorgeous house isn't all that bad, and neither is the cute, friendly boy next to her. If Ritzy's mom hadn't gotten her back all those years ago, is this the life she could have had? But is this the life she should have? Uh, when Ritzy's old life catches up with her new one, she has some decisions to make. Can she plan for the worst, but still hope for the best? And that is Better Than the Best Plan by Lauren Morrill. Um, and I'm really excited about this one, because I feel like lots of Lauren's books, um, she writes these awesome, like really funny, Stephanie Perkins-esque like, rom-coms, and this one feels very like intense. Yeah, it's... Um, Yeah, I can't wait to see... I can't, oh, I can't wait to read this one. And um, I highly recommend... Um, Googling Lauren and going to her website, because she, she wrote this really um, know, like heartfelt piece about like relaunching her career um, when it comes to this book, and she's just a very inspiring writer. I, I recommend checking her out.
0: I am really looking forward to this one, and it struck me, as you were talking about this, this is the second foster care book we've talked about in this show. Um, oh, yeah, look at that. Which makes me think, there's something we should talk about in a future episode, um, because I, I think we're seeing it a little bit more.
1: Good. Excellent. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh,
0: But on that note, now that we have done our show and talked about, you know, 20 potential topics for future shows, uh, thank you for tuning in this week. If you have have any feedback about the show, uh, leave it on Apple Podcasts. Let us know how we're doing. And when you do that, it lets other people find us. Thanks again to today's sponsors for helping make the show possible. You could follow me, Kelly Jensen, on Twitter and Instagram as Verona Kelly Mars. And you could follow Eric Smith on Twitter and Instagram as Eric Smith Rocks, where he has just posted the Magic Mike XXL quote from <laughs> earlier in the show. Um, because not only do we podcast, we tweet at the same time. Yes. Uh, and on that note, we will talk to you again in two weeks. Bye. Bye.